Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor here at Southside, and it is uh, great to be with you today. And uh, I was looking at that picture and trying to recognize that those people and that, some of those older pictures. Uh, Tommy, that was, uh, that was good. That was a good picture. Uh, I, I want to show a picture just because it's, I'm, I'm equal opportunity for uh, revealing our ages. I want to show you a picture of my very first computer. How many of you remember Commodore 64s? Anybody remember Commodore 64s? Yeah, I think we got a picture maybe up there. Yeah, there it is. That, that's it. Br- brings back some memories for some of you. Um, so I I- invested in a middle school fundraising project, and I sold the most whatever we were selling, wrapping paper, whatever it was, and as a reward for uh, all that door-to-door salesmanship that I had, I won a Commodore 64 computer. And um, it was shortly after this, this computer that, yes, that's right, that was something there. So shortly after this that my, um, my, uh, my, my mail, I started getting these things. You remember you used to get these things in the mail from America Online. You know, anybody remember America Online? They'd send you like this floppy disk. Remember the floppy disks, the ones? They're called floppy disks because they were floppy. And they would send you one in the mail, and you've put it in your computer, and you plug your telephone line into it, and it made this awful noise, this squeak. It sounded like a fax, and you could be what they called online. And it was uh, it was amazing. So I, I quickly convinced my, um, my parents to let me pay the, you know, nine ninety five a month or whatever it was uh, so I could be online. And when I was online, there was only a few things you could do online. One of them was you could go into what was called chat rooms where there were all these other really geeky, nerdy people who were on computers and you could talk to them. And then there was also a place on there where you could like read some news stories and then the the only other thing you could really do at that point was look at the New York Stock Exchange and if you've ever looked at the New York Stock Exchange you know there's that little ticker that goes across with all those letters all those alphabet letters that go by and so that would be the so because I was so interested I really wanted so much to utilize um, my computer to its fullest extent I convinced my parents to let me buy stock in something. I had no interest at all whatsoever in buying stock in anything, but I decided that I was going to buy stock in something. So my dad, who is a mechanic and he was very interested, he's very interested in technology, that kind of stuff. At the time, there was this, there was this noise reduction technology company that was in Canada that he'd been hearing about that was going to develop some technology to make a car silent, completely quiet. So we, we took some money and we bought online... Uh, you know, this stock in this company, this noise reduction technology corporation, NCTR or something like that, the letters. And I, I suddenly, all of a sudden, I found myself constantly looking at the New York Stock Exchange because I was looking for those four little letters all the time because I wanted to know how that money was doing in that stock and, and, and to kind of follow it. So every day, like I would be so excited to kind of look and see. Now, I had no clue, no interest in it whatsoever before, but suddenly I was very, very interested in that. Now, I parallel that to another experience that I had where uh, when Sherry and I were coming out of middle school, going into high school um, back in the uh, <clears throat> early 80s, we were going in to, to go in and, and they were starting this new system here in Duval County where they were doing something called magnet schools. Now, it, they're everywhere now, but they were new then. And so there were really just two. One was a college preparatory school and the other was going to be an arts magnet. And, and Sherry and I were invited to be a part of this arts magnet program 
program, and we were there from the very beginning. But it, it wasn't something that, that was very popular in some circles. People thought it was a waste of money. And so um, Sherry and I, being involved early on, and we got involved in student government, and, and I was going down to the school board and writing letters, and I got really involved in just advocating for Douglas Anderson School of the Arts because it was, you know, that after that first year, they were talking about shutting it down and, oh, this isn't going to work and it's a waste of money and resources. So I just poured myself in for several years uh, to being involved. I knew all, I mean, as a freshman, I knew all the school board members by name. I could, you know, I wrote them letters. I, the superintendent, I was really involved in that, something I really cared about. Um, and so now, fast forward almost 30 years later, you know, my kids go to that school. And so I'm, I've got a real sense of, of investment. There's something about that place that means something more to me. And, and I, anytime I see it in the news, anytime it comes up in conversations, something inside of me kind of perks up. I listen a, a little bit more intently uh, than I might otherwise have done that. Um, throughout the course of our married life and our, our time together, we, uh, we were married here at Southside. And then shortly after we were married, we moved to Texas. And everywhere we would move, we would join and be part of, of a church. And we would really give ourselves to these congregations. Uh, we were involved in the music ministry and all kinds of different ministries. So a little church in Texas called Trinity Baptist Church. And then we moved to Atlanta and were there for seven years. And we worked at a church called Milford Baptist Church. And then we had the opportunity to go to Huntsville. And uh, we worked at a, a new church there that was called River Tree Church. And we really poured ourselves in. And it was kind of a church that you had to set up and take down every day. And, um, and so still to this day, after all those years of investment at those churches and, and even at this church, I, there's something about me that is still very interested in what goes on. If I, if I get the opportunity to talk to anybody from those cities, uh, I always ask, well, have you ever heard of, of this church? Do you know anything about what's going on? Or if I talk to the people, I ask about the people I know in the church. Now, now, all of these places, whether it was just that silly stock that I bought on that Commodore 64 computer, or whether it's the high school I, I, I attended, or whether it's the churches that I've been a part of, uh, there's something about those organizations, there's something about each of those experiences where I found it was more than just an, an investment of my money or my time or my talent. There was something more that is connected there. there there's a piece of me that's, that was with each of those. There was something inside of me that was drawn to know more about it. Now, I have spent much more money at a lot of other places. Uh, I mean, I, my grocery bill every week. I, I mean, I spend a whole lot more at, at public supermarket than I did on that stock. But I, I really, you know, while I like Publix, I'm for Publix, but I, I don't, like, I'm not really interested in Publix on a past getting my groceries there. You know, I pay a lot more money uh, every month to my, you know, JEA bill, but I don't find myself like trying to read everything I can read about JEA. Um, I have spent a lot more time at other organizations waiting in line, you know, back before you had to, when you used to have to wait in line at the DMV, the hours and hours and hours of waiting there, or, or all the different things where I would spend a lot of time. I don't find myself really drawn, even though I've spent a lot of time there, I don't find myself drawn to those organizations just because I've spent a lot of time there. So I began to think, what's the difference between the money that I have, uh, that I've spent in organizations uh, and the time I've spent in organizations, the talent I've spent in organizations, and then just some other places where I've spent some time and some money and some resources. Why, is, why do I find myself drawn to some and not drawn to others? And, and I think it comes down to the difference between an expense and an investment. 
Uh, now, if, follow me for just a second here. I'm not a financial guy. I, I don't pretend even to be one. But, but there's a basic difference between an expense and an investment. An expense is something that you, you expend money on and you get something back for it. And that's pretty much the end of it. Like, you, you know, I pay for my groceries, my groceries come home, and we hope they make it to the end of the week, and we don't have to go to the store a second time in the middle of the week. It's just an expense. But there's an investment is something where you, you, sp- you put money in, but there's something else that goes on. There's a return that continually comes back to you, an investment, something that comes back toward you. So, so for the next few weeks, I, I want us to spend some time uh, in a series that we're calling Invested, by looking at the Bible and discussing what does it mean to be invested? What does it mean to invest our lives in something? So that it's more than just our money, our time, or our talent, but in fact, piece, a piece of our heart gets embedded into what we do. What are you invested in? What is it that you care deeply about? Maybe it's something you've put a lot of time in. I'm sure for all of us we could say that's true about family members, kids, grandkids, neighbor kids, people that we've invested our time in, we've invested resources in, and we care about what happens to them. Because it's more than just the fact that our money went to a college in order for that kid to go to school there, or it's more than the fact that we tutored that kid, uh, mentored that that student at Landon. It's more than that. There's something else. There's a piece of us that gets invested inside of them, and we long to see the return on that investment. We long to see something beautiful happen in their lives, something interesting happen. So for the next few weeks, I want to take a look at what the Bible has to say uh, about this idea. Now, you can go online, and if you put the word invested in your computer, you will get tons and tons and tons of advertisements of people who will tell you how to invest your money, give you tips about how to invest your your money. But long before any of them were in the business of making money through investments, uh, there there was a man who lived and walked on the earth and who we follow and we worship. His name is Jesus. And he actually talked more about investing. He talked more about money than he talked about any other subject. And I find that really interesting because not only did he talk more about it than any other subject, more about, more about money than heaven and hell combined, not only did he talk more about it, but he never asked for it. So he talked about it without ever seeking any of it, without wanting any of it. Now I know, if you, especially if you're new and this is your first time at Southside, there's something that's kind of inside of us, a skepticism, a suspicion that when preachers start talking about money, uh, our radar goes up because, oh, here it comes. There's, you know, there's, there's going to be a, a big ask. But, but I want to just ease your mind for just a moment and, and say part of the reason we want to enter into this conversation for the next few weeks is because there's something that I want for you, not from you. And so over the next few weeks, there are some, several things that I hope that we learn together as we study the Bible. The, the first thing I want for you is financial freedom. I want you to be free of anxiety and worry as it relates to money. I think that's what Jesus wanted for you as well. As a matter of fact, I know this is true about me, and I'm sure it's true about you, that you can't be generous to people you do know if you're in debt to people you don't. Now, now, let me just give you a little insight. There are people that you do know, that you care deeply about, that if you had the resources, you would invest more in them. You would, there, are, there are causes that you care deeply about, that if you had the resources, you would invest more heavily in those 
causes. But we cannot be generous to people we do know if we're in debt to people we don't. And, and our credit card companies and, and loan companies, do you know, they don't know you either. You are a series of digits to them. They don't know you. Doesn't mean that they're not good people. Doesn't mean that they don't care. But, but you are a series of numbers on an account. They don't know you. You don't know them. And the fact that you're in debt to them keeps you from being generous to people that you do know. So I, I want you to experience financial freedom. The second thing that, that I w- want us to experience together is I want us to be invested in things that really, really matter. I want us to be invested in things that outlast us. You know, all the possessions that we think, that we have, all the toys that we acquire, the houses that we build, the cars that we drive, they are so temporary compared to the eternal investment that I believe God is inviting you to be a part of. And finally, for our entire congregation, I want our church to be known by its generosity. I want people to look at Southside Baptist Church and say, that is a generous church. And why do I want them to know that? So that we get credit for it? Not at all. Because I believe that we proclaim to worship a God who so loved the world that he gave. That is one of the defining characteristics about God. That he is a generous God. That he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So if we as a people are going to proclaim a God like that, we need to mirror his generosity in our world and in our community had the opportunity earlier this week just to let you know how your generosity as a congregation is making Jesus famous around the world. I had an opportunity this week to, uh, earlier this week, to go to Toronto to meet some church planters in that city. And um, as I'm riding on the bus, kind of touring around, seeing some different parts of Toronto, I'm sitting next to a fellow who lives and works um, in Atlanta who's with this organization. And um, as we're talking he suddenly realizes, he's like, oh, you're at Southside Baptist Church? I said, yeah, I'm at Southside Baptist Church. He said, you guys have done all that work with the refugee group, the Corinne people in Jacksonville. I said, oh, yeah, we, we've, done, yeah we've worked with the Corinne in Jacksonville and started the Corinne Baptist Church. And he started going on telling me all these great things that he's heard about Southside. Why? Because he's heard about the generous hearts of the people at Southside Baptist Church. And and it's not just to make the name of Southside famous, but more importantly, it makes the Savior that we proclaim famous. That's what's really matters. So I want us as a church to be known as a generous church. So now, before before you decide, well, good, I'll get five weeks off of church. I won't come back because he's going to talk about money. Let me just tell you something about this. This series is not only about money. As a matter of fact, this series is not even mainly about money. This series is about how you invest your life, how you invest your time, how you invest your talent, how you invest your treasure. And so to kick it off, I want us to look at probably the most famous passage of scripture where Jesus addressed some of the issues about investment. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, it's a familiar passage uh, to many of you. You probably have verses from this passage memorized uh, that you didn't even know you had memorized. So let's take a look at this together. And, And I want us to look at this passage at three specific things that Jesus says about investment. He, he talks about the security, he, he talks about the priority, and he talks about the reward. So I want us to look for those three things in this passage of Scripture where Jesus talks uh, about our investment. First, the security the investment offers. 
the security the investment offers. Now, I, I, I know many of you kind of know this. Um, all the anxiety that you feel, all the worry that you feel about whatever subject, maybe for you it's not about money, maybe for you it's about health, or maybe for you it's about security and, and safety. But every time you feel worried or every time you feel anxious, it's because part of you is somewhere else not in the present. You are worried about something that could potentially happen or you are anxious about something that has already happened and the ramifications that it may have in the future. All anxiety is rooted somewhere else. So when Jesus starts to talk about possessions, he is talking about this idea that part of our anxiety, part of our worry about our our possessions has to do with the things that we've collected in the past. Look what he says in verse 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says what is so important for us. He says the secret about why I suddenly became interested in the New York Stock and Chase Exchange in those four little letters. He gives the secret about why I was suddenly interested in a, in a high school and why I'm still interested in these churches that I've served. Here's the secret. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Wherever you invest your time, your talent, your treasure, you are leaving a piece of yourself in that place. But look at what Jesus says. Don't do that with things on earth. Don't worry about the things that you've got here on earth because those things are going to be destroyed. They're going to be stolen. And so if you are tied up in those things, you're going to constantly be anxious about the possessions that you've collected. But he's not only talking about things that you've already collected. He's also talking about things you're going to need in the future. Look down at verse 25, what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on? Is not life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more value? Are you not of much more value than they are? Now, he goes from talking about our anxiety and worry about stuff we've collected, things in the past, to talking about anxiety and worry about things that we may need in the future. Notice how many times he uses the future tense. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will put on. He's saying those things that are coming in the future, stop being anxious, stop worrying about them. Part of the reason that, that dealing with our resources, dealing with our time, our talent, our treasure, especially our money, is so important to our spiritual health and well-being is because it really speaks to our faith and our confidence in God. It deals with the level of anxiety that we're willing to live with. Because anytime you are worried, anytime you are anxious, it is a failure to live fully present right here, right now. You cannot be fully present today and worried about the past. You cannot be fully present today and anxious about what will come in the future. Look what Jesus says. He says, first of all, it doesn't help. Look at verse 27. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Some of you need to memorize that verse. I mean, you need to memorize that verse. And every time anxiety or worry comes up, you just need to ask yourself this question. What good is it doing me? Does it help you? 
Is it adding anything to your life if you're worried or anxious about it? Jesus says, no, it doesn't. It doesn't add a single thing to, to it. And here's, here's what's even more ridiculous about being worried and anxious about what will happen in the future. You'll just find something else to worry about tomorrow. Some of you are professionals at this. I've talked to you. If you don't have something to worry about, you're worried because you're not worried about anything. Look what Jesus says in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for what? For itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. Every day you wake up, there's some new unexpected trouble that comes your way. You have no idea what's going to happen. So we get ready to go. Emma and I are going on a trip. Last week, we're going to go look at some colleges. We get up 6 o'clock in the morning. We're going to make it. We're going to get to Macon, Georgia by, you know, by 11 o'clock. We get out. We've got a flat tire immediately. Had no, we didn't plan for a flat tire. We couldn't have worried yesterday about a flat tire the next day. That's what Jesus is saying. Every day has enough worry of its own. And you being concerned about things that haven't happened yet doesn't do you any good. It doesn't add anything to your life. And here's why this matters. Here's why this is an issue of your heart. Because worry, at its essence, is a failure to trust God. It is a failure to have faith and confidence in a God who says, I will provide for you. Look at the birds of the air. Don't you think that you're more valuable to me than the birds of the air? It's a failure to trust God. Listen to what he said in verse 32. Because when we act that way, we're no different than the Gentiles. We're no different than the pagans who are running after. Look what he said. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now you think, well, that sounds great, but how do I practically do that? Just keep your, keep your finger right here in Matthew chapter 6 and, and turn with me to look at what Paul said about this in Philippians chapter 4. Paul said this, and I believe Paul was influenced by the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what, here's what uh, he says in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about... Say it with me. Do not be anxious about anything. Some of you could just go home right now. Because that's the only message you needed to hear today. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that just means petition, asking, requesting, make your, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and look what, the, look what the exchange is. You invest prayer and request and thanksgiving, and the return on that is the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, I've given a hard time to those of you who are worriers, who are professional worriers, but let me also say that many of you exemplify this to me all the time, every day. I, I see you in the hospitals. I talk to you on the phone. I read it in your prayer request. And, and it looks to me like you have so much to be worried about, but what shines through in those times of anxiety is your faith and confidence in a God who has provided for you and who will continue to provide for you. That you understand your value and your worth to God. That you are more valuable than the birds of the air and the grass of the field. So he talks to us about the security the investment offers. Let's look, let's look at the priorities the investment requires. Because Jesus is talking about something here. And he is going to say it's going to require a reorientation of your priorities. Primarily in two areas. First of all, who we serve. Look what he said in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, 
if you're kind of reading through this, you sort of think that Jesus has sort of taken a tangent. He's you know, kind of going down a rabbit trail because he's talking about possessions and worry and money. And all of a sudden he's talking about your eye and light and darkness. And it seems like, well, did he change subjects here? What, what did I miss? But really what he's dealing with is kind of a, a word play here. He is saying, as your eye directs your body. In other words, if I decide I'm going to walk over to the right side of the stage, I'm going to look first with my eye. And my eye is going to guide my steps. So I'm going to follow that way. When you get up and you leave, your eye is going to guide you. As the eye directs your body, he's saying, so your treasure directs your heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart goes also. I had a friend in Texas who used to say that, 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 that hearts follow wallets. That everywhere your wallet goes, a piece of your heart goes. So just like your eye guides your body, your money guides your heart. See, your treasure is not just an indication of what you buy and where you are, but it's, a, but it's an indication of where you're going. If you were to take a look at your bank statement, take a look at your checking account, and you were just to go through and you were to look at it and do an honest analysis, it would tell you the direction you're headed. Because as your eye directs your body, so your treasure directs your heart. Now, the word here, if you, if you look at the, this passage, uh, the, the eye is healthy. If the eye is healthy, the, the little Greek word that's translated healthy also means generous. So it's easy to translate this passage. So if your eye is generous, your whole body will be full of generosity. In other words, if you look towards generosity then your whole heart will follow towards generosity. Likewise, the Greek word that's used for bad also is translated in another passage as envious. So if you're constantly coveting things, you're constantly looking, oh, I want that, I need that. If I could only get this car, if I could only live in that house, your eye is directing you towards covetousness and your heart will follow. Look what he says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he's going to make a comparison. And the comparison's pretty shocking because for us in the church, we often think that our choice every day is between light and darkness, good and evil. I'm going to follow Jesus or I'm going to follow Satan. And we live sort of in this very black and white world. But look what Jesus says. You cannot serve God and money. He doesn't say Satan. He says something much more practical and actually much more challenging, that you can't serve God and money. And you could leave the space for money blank, and you could put anything you want there. Because the truth of the proverb is the first half of it. You cannot serve two masters. So you have to make a choice. You have to prioritize. Who am I going to serve? But the other thing he says is we have to also prioritize what we're going to seek. Look what he says in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And all these things will be added to you as well. That, that if you have your priorities right, if you're first seeking after the will of God and, and living in alignment with the kingdom of God, all the other things that you were worried about, the food, the closing, the housing, the security, the safety, all those things, he's saying, are going to be added to you as well if your priorities are in the right order. I love what C.S. Lewis says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. That's so true. That, that if we are constantly pursuing the things of this world where the moth and rust and thieves destroy and steal and, and break in, if we pursue those things, those things will all be lost. But if you seek God's kingdom first, all those other things will be added to you as well. 
So it has to do with our priorities, the priorities in, uh, that, uh, that are invested. Uh, let's look at the third thing quickly, the reward the investment promises. The reward the investment promises. Um, turn with me back to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3 verse 7. Paul is writing about this idea of investment. And listen to what he says. But whatever gain I had. Now Paul had a lot of gain. He, he was smart. He was well positioned in society. He, uh, he had been given lots of opportunities. He was born in the right family, in the right heritage. But he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, Paul got it. He understood that. Because basically Jesus' message to his disciples in in Matthew 6 is this. Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth. Store up instead treasure in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want your heart to be in heaven, you have to lead your heart to heaven by investing in heaven. Because if you care about, if you invest yourselves in the kingdom of God, your heart will naturally follow after it. Now, I just kind of want to wrap this up as we get ready to go on this journey over the next few weeks, kind of dealing with investment of our time, our talent, and our, and our treasure. And I just want to, to, just, to just say to you, to encourage you, that this, this really isn't about financial issues, although financial issues are a part of it. This isn't even really about giving to the church, although that's certainly some, one way that we can invest in the kingdom. This is first and foremost an issue of your heart an issue of your soul. See, one reason people don't take these passages seriously is because they seem so extreme that they just decide to ignore them altogether. That that I really don't believe I can put God first in my finances. I'll put him first in other areas of my life, but I'm not going to put him first in my finances because that area is just, it's, it's, it's just too dangerous. Gary, if you knew, if you could see my finances, you'd understand why I'm saying that. But listen, when these verses hit you right where they should, when you really pray about these verses, what you'll discover is that Jesus wants to set you free. He wants you to know that you have nothing to fear and instead, in fact, you have everything to gain. So I want to give you something really practical uh, kind of a teaching as it comes to finances that we uh, promote here at Southside. Uh, many of you, if you've been here before, you've heard me say this before, but it's so important for you to hear, especially if you are a new follower to Christ, maybe you've been out of church for a while. I, I, hear, I want you to hear me say this because this is what we practice at Southside and, and what I think will make a real difference, not just in your finances, but more importantly in your heart and in your soul. The practical way to apply this is by practicing percentage, priority, progressive giving. You practice percentage, prioritized, progressive giving. Let me talk about each of those words for just a minute. Percentage. Choose a percentage of your income and give it away. Whatever percentage you decide. The Bible talks about 10% as being the tithe. And and that's what many of us practice and and beyond. But, But maybe for you, you say, you know what? I really don't ever give anything away. Maybe every now and then I see a tragedy or something somewhere and I'll call the number and I'll give you know, 5 or $10 online, but, but I, don't, I don't give a percentage of my income away. Let me challenge you. What would happen if you just decided, you know what, I'm going to give 1%, 1% of my income away. And before you think this is a plea for you to give it here, give it somewhere else if you don't want to give it here. Find a cause you care about. 
and give it there. But, but, but give a percentage of your income away. And we prioritize that. That before I fund my kingdom, I instead invest in his kingdom. So I'm putting someone else ahead of me. This is, this is the prioritize. You, pr- you not just do percentage, but you prioritize. That you give yours, your money away first to other people. So you say, okay, I, I made $1,000. I'm going to take the first $10. That is 1%, right? Yeah, you numbers people, help me out. Yes, okay, good. Take, I look over, make sure I'm right. So take the, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take $10 and I'm going to give it somewhere I care. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart goes as well. And, and so you're training your heart. You're training your heart and you're going to do it first. Here, because here's a little secret. If you wait and do it last, it won't be there. So we practice percentage, prioritized, progressive giving. As time goes on, this is the progressive part. As time goes on, I increase the percentage I give away. How many of you, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you make the same amount of money you made 50 years ago? 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago. Well, the economy's constantly changing. Some of you've gotten promotions, some of you have lost your job, some of you've gone into retirement. But the the point is this, What if God is increasing your standard of living, not so that you can just live better, but so that you can be more generous? What if God is blessing you in order to make you a blessing to other people? So we practice percentage, prioritize progressive giving. So now you're giving 1%. Next year, you know what you try to do? You try to give 2%. If you're giving 2%, you try to give 3%. If you're giving 10%, you say, could we give 11%? Because you're investing more and more and more of your heart into the kingdom of God, because this is ultimately about your heart, and it's too important for you to ignore it just because you don't trust this church or, or any church. Give it somewhere, because it's about your heart, and it's about the condition of your heart. Now, I want to give you some resources, something practical that you can do to help. Some of you have found yourself in debt. When I made that first statement I made that you can't be generous to people you do know, if you owe people you don't, you've not heard anything else I've said because you're camped out back there. Let me back up to you for just a second. I want to beg you this Wednesday night to be a part of Financial Peace University. We have got a new session starting off this Wednesday night. There is nothing I can more highly recommend to you to get your financial house in order than to be a part of Financial Peace University. It starts this Wednesday night at 6.30. I think it runs for eight, nine, ten weeks. On Wednesday nights at 6.30, we'd love for you to be a part of it. If you want to sign up, you can go to the landing as you leave. Uh, You can also go to our website. There's an invested page, and you can register there on the invested page. But but please, don't don't continue to live in the bondage of, of debt. Try to get some help. Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to be able to be generous uh, and so, so if you will sign up for that class, even if you're here and maybe your condition, maybe debt's not your issue, but your financial condition is changing, you're about to retire, Financial Peace University is the place you need to be. It will help you out. It's biblically based, and I would encourage you, be a part of FPU as it gets started this Wednesday night. The other thing I want to challenge you to do, because as a congregation, we want to continue to be invested in things that matter. I want to encourage all of you to set aside October 16th at 6 p.m. It's a Sunday night. Go ahead and mark it down on your calendar. And I want you to plan to come to our invested banquet. We're going to talk uh, about an initiative that we're beginning at Southside called Invested. About how we as a congregation can put our treasure 
fully squarely in the kingdom of God. As we invest in missions locally and internationally, as we invest resources to try to reopen the Trotter Activity Center so that it can be, uh, it can be an outreach influence here in the San Marco community, we'd love for you to be a part of that. And we'd love for you to come and join us on October 16th. You should be getting an invitation in the mail. You can register for that on, online also on that invested page. We encourage you to go and to be a part of that. Now, let me just tell you something personally about myself that I've learned uh, over time. I worry about a lot of things. I'll just confess that. I know I'm not supposed to, but, but I worry. I'm like the rest of you. I worry about things. You know, you know there's, there's, there's some money that I never, ever worry about. It's the money I give away. I never worry about it. I, I give that money away, and it brings me joy. It brings me fulfillment. I, I never worry about the money I give away. You know about the money I worry about? The money I worry about is the money I'm trying to control. Remember I told you that I took that little bit of money and I invested it in that stock? Well, in mid-90s, that company completely went bust. My first investment in the New York Stock Exchange, I lost everything. Now, why do I tell you that? Because I think that's a great analogy for how we live our life. We invest in something of this world, and we worry about it, and we fuss over it, and we look at it. And it just does nothing but cause worry. And there are other things that we invest in that just bring us joy and peace. And that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what he wants for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Let's pray together. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe today for you, some of you um, just sense that extra pull, that extra tug as God is speaking to you about your financial well-being. Maybe for some of you, um, God's talking to you about the anxiety and the worry that you are carrying, and he's inviting you to lay that down. Uh, Maybe for some of you here here today, you are feeling just encouraged uh, about the fact that you're invested in so many things that matter, so many things that will outlast you, and you're just feeling a deep sense of joy and satisfaction. However however God's word hit you today, I want to invite you just to take a few minutes uh, during this time of our service to, to reflect on what God is saying to you and on the commitment he's inviting you to make in response. For some of you, you are worried about so many things, including what it means to have an eternal investment. You, you really, you can't get past tomorrow, let alone worried about what happens after this life. I would invite you today to invest your whole being, invest your whole self in Jesus Christ and know that he's secured eternity for you through the price that he paid, the price that he invested in you on the cross. So right now, as we come to this time of prayer, God, we invite you to do a deep work inside of each of our hearts. Lord, different folks here at different stages of their journey with you, some who are just beginning their journey with you, I would just invite, Holy Spirit, you to work inside of each of us, to speak to us and draw us to yourself. For we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.